Welcome to our part two of our uh, podcast here looking at the worlds of Christendom. Uh, we're now going to be taking a look at the Byzantines. Um, and the Byzantines, if you remember, they, they weren't called the Byzantines then. They looked at themselves as the Romans. They were a continuation of Rome just in the east. The west falls uh, in 476. Um, and so then the east carries on those traditions for about another thousand years. We'll see them fall in 1453 or so. And um, they're, they're continuing that tradition. The reason why it is able to stay there, why it continues there, is because uh, they are wealthier. It's more urban. Uh, they have bigger and better walls. And they have a stronger army and a good economy going on. Now, this army is not strong enough to go and reconquer and do what the, the old Romans did, but they're able to protect themselves. And um, we can see them um, really trying to be as Roman as possible. They still kind of carry out the clothing and other things like that. But um, we do see changes. Their main language is in Greek, although some of the laws and stuff like that will be carried out in Latin. Um but you see them not wearing trousers like the Western Europeans switch to. They, they don't have long hair. They keep it kind of short. And um, so we see a continuation there of those, those Roman ideas in that culture. Um, so um, some of the things like, uh, that we'll see, I guess they'll be coming up here. But uh, some terms to remember would be like Caesaropapism, where the emperor is the Rome, uh, or is the Rome, is the Caesar or the political leader and also the religious leader. Um, so those things are going to continue, and so that's what we're going to take a look at now with the Byzantine state. Um, never gets as big as the Romans did. Uh, the first extent it gets to is under Justinian the first, uh, and he tries to reunite the whole Roman Empire, but it's it's just a kind of waste of money and time. He goes and takes out the Vandals in North Africa, which actually brings more grain to Rome and also to the Byzantines, so that helps them out, but they're not able to hold it. It's too far away. Um, he will also go and conquer Italy and bring Rome back into their control, but again, they can't hold on to that. It's just it's it's not bringing in enough revenue or anything like that to really warrant it. So uh, they'll they'll give up that, and um, so Justinian fails to do that. But what Justinian does a really 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 good job in is um, he he creates a new law code uh, as well as rebuilding the the city of Constantinople after some major riots that happened early in his reign. Uh, but he creates a whole new law code known as the Justinian Code that um, reforms the whole legal system and makes it a lot better. Um, politics pretty much run around the emperor. He is the, it's very centralized on what the emperor, uh, with the emperor and what that central government in Constantinople wants to have happen. Um, they will try to kind of replicate the Persian court, though, so going a little bit beyond what the Romans were like and going back a little bit further to that area, and that's because of the history that's there uh, with things. I mean, they controlled Persia, and, and, well, they didn't really control Persia. They were fighting with Persia constantly um, with the Sassanids, and that's a whole different thing, but they'll weaken each other and let, let it be open for the, um, for the, uh, the Muslim invasions that'll happen or the Islamic conquest. Um, but uh, going back to things here, uh, to help the government out, to, to really help it achieve its heights, uh, you see Greek thinkers being used uh, and the Greek philosophies be, uh, flourishing under it. Uh, you see parades being thrown to show the lavishness and the wealth of the emperor and his power, but also to show their technology. Um, and uh, their technology is a key thing that allows them to survive. Uh, their biggest and best one is the uh, weapon known as Greek fire, uh, and that helps them um, that helps them fend off any, any invasions or any attempts to take the capital. 
and um, most of the average citizens wouldn't have noticed necessarily a, a difference between the East and the West, and they, they were kind of left alone. Uh, they had to pay taxes, uh, and they were kept from revolting, although a couple of those did come up, but um, there wasn't anything really major going on. Um, nothing crazy, no major drastic changes from when Rome fell to when this, I mean, as, as the empire gets weaker, you see them controlling less territory, it's falling back, the government's getting worse, but at, at their height, you don't see a lot of major changes from Rome to the Byzantines. Now, this empire will fall. Um, it primarily falls because of two things. Uh, first one being the Crusades. Uh, they call on the West for help in pushing back the Turks that are invading, and these would be the Ottoman Turks, and um, they decide to go take the Holy Land, but along the road, uh, because of a schism we're going to talk about here in a little bit, um, the uh, Romans will go and sack Constantinople and uh, take over parts of it, and so that's not good for business. And then uh, the Ottoman Turks will come in and um, take them out finally uh, in 1453 uh, when they take the city of Constantinople and the emperor um, Constantine the 15th, I believe. I can't remember that off the top of my head, but I think that's right. Uh, he dies in battle. Um, so that's kind of what leads to the fall is two invasions, but it's also poor management and um, just... The, the empire starts to run down uh, over its thousand years. Um, <coughs> so, um, one thing that we see happening, the, the divide that I brought up uh, between the East and the West uh, that really weakens them and leads to the Crusades happening is because there's, there's uh, the, well, Christianity is run differently over in, in the Byzantine Empire. Um, one, we brought up Caesar-Papism, so the church and state are linked together. You don't see that happening in uh, the West. The, the Pope is leader, and he kind of has power over all the other governments in, in one sense, at least spiritual power over them. Um, well, here you have it linked up, and the patriarch will support the, the Caesar. Um, he's able to appoint the patriarch, whereas um, a council um, does the Pope. Um, He's able to call for councils to get advice on things, and he makes the major decisions on doctrine in the church. Uh, and those councils will will decide things in the church as well, what should happen. So, um, and 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 really, the church becomes a a major um, tool for the government to use to be able to use the patriarchs and 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 other leaders throughout the empire to help uh, keep it united and also help run things. Um, Christianity was the main thing that uh, gave the emperor his power, just like when we talked about with the before it was adopted by Constantine and before really Theodosius, uh, the emperor was viewed as a god. And so um, they used that, uh, but instead of that, now they're saying they're the speaker piece for God and God's appointed them there. Um, but uh, one problem is, throughout this area is because it's diverse, you have uh, a lot of fighting going on and what should be the, the real beliefs of the church and this was a major issue back then today we don't see it as like what's the right thing to believe in christianity because we've already gone through these fights over uh well we'll talk about the schism and also over the protestant reformation and now we go okay well we're we're kind of all okay and everyone's nominally christian and in some way you have the same kind of beliefs um but we have different diverging opinions on some things um and we look at that as okay today Whereas back then, that was a, a major sticking point, and everyone's got to be doing the right thing because otherwise everyone's going to bad places. So um, <clears throat> we see this really kind of playing out when we get to the Great Schism. Um, 
we see a clashing of cultures. Uh, we see different theological ideas. So you see things like, uh, well, what's the true nature of Trinity? Um, are God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, are they equal? Or there is there one that's greater than another? You get fights over the language that should be used. Like in the East, they want to use Greek, while in the West, they want to use Latin. Um, there's fights over what is original sin. Um, there's fights over whether priests should be celibate or whether they should be able to marry. In the East, they're allowed to get married. In the West, they're not allowed to get married. Uh, in the East, they have beards. Uh, because that's the custom in the West. They're supposed to be clean-shaven. So um, there's just a lot of things that divide them, and and that'll just lead to lead to the church splitting in 1054. Uh, the Pope and the Patriarch both kind of start yelling at each other about which one's right, and uh, they both eventually just ex end up excommunicating each other, and uh, that, that really sets the divide apart. And then when we get to the Crusades... Um, then it, everything goes downhill. Uh, Christians from the West will go and raid Byzantine towns, saying they're not truly really Christian, and then we see them sack Constantinople and run it for 50 years in 12, 1204. So that, that's really what puts the Byzantines on the death spiral. If, if they weren't on it before, they're definitely on it after the Crusades, uh, which were supposed to help them. But uh, the Crusades focused too much on the Holy Land and not enough on kind of kicking the, the, the Turks out, as well as they went and sacked the, their ally city, which wasn't good. Um, and so some other things going on that kind of really weakened them, or, or before we get to the Muslims there, is remember uh, the, the Muslim conquest with the Turks, is that they were constantly fighting with Persia. And, and when you're constantly fighting, you're draining your resources, and it just, you're going to eventually run out. And so uh, with that fight of Persia, they lose a lot of land. They lose some of the very valuable lands, especially on the uh, Mediterranean coast, uh, in kind of the Palestine-Israel area, because those are some really wealthy ports and sending things to the rest of Europe. So uh, they lose those. And um, the only way uh, they can keep kind of funding things is because Constantinople is a major trading center in itself, and they're able to send things to the rest of Europe. So uh, they're able to keep money coming in from that, and Greece is, is fairly wealthy as well, with also more ports and trading and stuff like that going on. So they're able to do that along with their technology uh, of Greek fire, and they're really big and massive walls that they have to protect the city. Um, it's almost impossible to blockade them, and so they're constantly getting food in there, uh, even during uh, sieges, and the walls are just way too intimidating, and most people walk away from them. Like uh, Attila the Hun, I believe, uh, looked at it and walked away, or I could be getting mixed up with another um, barbarian tribe, but uh, the Visigoths, I think, did it too. They looked and went, oh, we can't besiege this, and so we're going we're gonna to move on and go west. Um, so you see that, and um, what else? I think I kind of brought up the, the rest of the things on here. Um, they're, they're really an integral part of trade, especially early on. Um, that diminishes as they get pushed more and more to just Constantinople. Um, their currency will become the main currency for the Mediterranean Sea, so where it used to be the, um, the Roman coins, uh, the denarii, uh, it becomes the Byzantine Byzant, and uh, they, uh, not only with being integral merchants in trade, uh, they specialize in jewelry, uh, gold, and other textiles. And kind of some of their lasting contributions um, are um, preserved in the Greek philosophies that they will try to keep. Uh, and when the Byzantine Empire falls, they'll bring it back west. 
so that'll lead to the Renaissance happening as well as uh, those texts and those ideas will also go east to the Muslim empires, especially under the Abbasids, and go to the Baghdad where you'll see them uh, chewing on those ideas again with also the old uh, philosophers like Socrates and Plato and those guys. And that'll go back west and, and lead to the Renaissance there. So we see all that kind of stuff being being set up there in that. So uh, that's the Byzantines in a nutshell. Uh, we'll probably be taking a little bit more look at their fall when we get to the uh, chapter 12, when we look at the, the turn of the century, or the, the end of our time period here, going into the 1500s.